Because when I was a kid, I loved those, and we couldn't eat them when we wanted to because, you know, parents actually care about your health and stuff. Like, is there anything in them? Are they of any calorie, calorific value? I think they actually are a zero, zero calorie, <laughs> calorie food. You know, like, similar to celery, I think. I think that's the standards. If you want to eat something and get filled up without putting your own weight, SpaghettiOs or, <laughs> or celery. Oh, man. No, they're actually terrible for you. Don't eat spaghetti hoops, everybody. I'm going through this so you don't have to. Why, why were you eating them anyway? I was hungry. Do you know what I tried last week for the first time? Uh, green, green giant sweet corn from the tin. No, uh, with the juice. <laughs> no, it was, no, that's disgusting. It was uh, white Cocoa Pops. <laughs> Privileged Cocoa Pops. <laughs> Yeah, they uh, they get they get free pass from from police in the states. Actually, yeah. I would strongly recommend you stick with the original Cocoa Pops because these were so sickly sweet. Whereas I feel the OG Cocoa Pops uh, are much more subtle. Well, yeah, of course. Well, because like their original Cocoa Pops are supposed to give you the feeling of milk chocolate. Yeah, which they cereal, do. Right, which they do. But milk chocolate already has the word milk in it. We've already got enough milk going on there. If you take away the chocolate part of milk chocolate, you just get left with milk, which is what you get left with if you've got white chocolate. No, well, it's just the milk part of milk chocolate. No. There's I, no chocolate in there. It's just milk and sugar. Well, it's <laughs> so there's too eating, much of it. It's far too much. Like, to the extent I can yeah. barely finish it. So you're eating cereal with milk and milk and sugar, and probably sugar on top of it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, when you put it that way, I, I don't understand why I spent three pounds on a, a box for, for for only to have like half a bowl and then donate the box to one of my friends who wanted it. There was someone your friends wanted it. Did you tell them how bad it was? Yeah, absolutely. They were like, hey, yeah, I want to try it. I was like, you're welcome to the rest of it. <laughs> are, you like, are you like advertising on like Facebook buy and sell Glasgow? <laughs> Gumtree. <laughs> partially used. Craigslist. Partially, yeah. I don't think Craigslist exists anymore. I think it does, but just like not certain services that perhaps it used to it's a bit more limited similar to tumblr absolutely it's just more boring now <laughs> it's like if craigslist was your dad all along oh my. not your dad specifically but just like anyone's dad because dads are boring <laughs> who needs dads anyway well yeah exactly well i mean no i i uh, it was actually just a a friendly conversation it's much like we're having just now i said hey i've tried white, white cocoa pops they're really not nice do you want it and he was like yeah sure and that was that the transaction was done there and then what a week it's been James we've had spectacular weeks there we go everybody try and live up to that for your exciting lives we set the standard that you can also achieve if you grind real hard do you know what uh, uh, absolutely you, just real hard grinding and then you can be us grind never stops James yeah no I have I have since the day I started grinding never wanted to stop grinding okay let's move on let's start shall we <laughs> Is that the theme music right there? That is the theme music right then. We just heard it. That was real good. That was good theme music. Uh, do you know yeah. actually who, Thanks for making it, Colin. Do you know who um plays the cello in that theme music? Uh, a plugin, a plugin for your uh, audio software. I know you're just doing that to uh to tease me, but that's you know the answer. Cuz yeah. you know the answer. <laughs> that's my dad everybody. Playing hey. playing some open strings on a cello. Well done. Well done, Howard. Thank you he's for... Made it. He's in the music industry. Thank you for contributing to the podcast. <laughs> Dads are boring. <laughs> which you have never listened to and will likely never listen to. But it's fine. You're on it now. But now you're a part of. You're a part of it forever. Which means that you support everything we do and <laughs> yeah. say. 
at last. Um, so, <laughs> so he's operate everybody, featuring my dad playing the cello for theme music he never expected to hear. Yay! Don't tell him about it, or he'll listen to us. Absolutely, and Episode- be disappointed. <laughs> Episode one seven. He'll be very disappointed. Episode one seven five. Uh, I'm Colin. He is James. Yeah, I currently am sweating in a, in my office because my, my cat has decided that I'm the perfect place to to sleep. Oh, and cats are like little mini hot water bottles, and a hot water bottle in the summer not advisable. I mean, just to in my world go back to the theme of last week. Do you not have your curtains still closed? I mean, the heat wave has long passed at this point. Yeah, the curtains are still closed, shielding me from the outside world. But but the latent heat of, of planet Earth has been seeping in through the windows. <laughs> okay. uh, before we uh, welcome everybody, thank you for listening to Scotland's least dull podcast, your new favourite uh, podcast. Uh, we've got, it's a more of a threadbare show. We're just going to see where it takes us, to be honest. Why does the world do this? When I don't we know, have, it's really We annoying. have like a consistent recording schedule. We're in like, it's not even been a week since the last time we sat down to talk. Six days, man. No news. But if we take a week off, it's like, boom, the world's blown up now. Talk about that. <laughs> oh, wait, you can't. You're on holiday. Uh, we're actually going to start with what we've been watching, just because we've got a, a few big ones to talk about. May I just remind everybody, in fact, James is going to let you do it. Wait, wait. Uh, because we actually have some listener comments this week. <gasps> uh, how do people get in touch? And please advise them to do so. Preferably tweet tweet either one of us or this show. Yep. So tweet this show at Seesaw Parade. Give us your thoughts, but condense down into limited numbers of words and characters. <laughs> Um, preferably with some kindness directed at us to feed our egos and to make us feel good about our lives. Of course. Uh, you can also tweet Colin at Colin underscore Stone underscore. Thank you. Or me at Fair Jame. Jame with an M. Now, uh, just when we were talking about the It Chapter 2 trailer last week, you may recall uh, we were discussing the overused and certainly, in my opinion, trope of the Hall of Mirrors. And uh, Eduardo got in touch and he said, I disagree with your comment on the Hall of Mirrors. They are classic and can always be used if used correctly. Now, right. let me agree with that last bit. I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. If used yeah, okay, correctly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. in the trailer... For it, chapter two, it's just like, I've just seen it before. I've seen it before. Like when you just got the person exploring the hollow mirrors and then there's the creepy laugh in the background and then they look a bit scared. Like they can be done correctly and that's, and they do look good when they're done correctly. And it's still every time kind of makes my head explode a wee bit. Like how did they set up the exact right mirrors in the exact right places <laughs> so the cameraman doesn't sneak into the shot by accident? I do always think about that. It is cool. And it is nice to see. It's just... I would like to see some new cool things that I haven't seen before. Yes. Uh, also, my only real complaint about this tweet, because I actually I think it's very fair, is that you didn't say a nice thing about Colin or me, and therefore <laughs> neither of our egos have had any of a hit. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, in a, a subsequent tweet did say uh, my new therapeutic routine is cleaning my kitchen at 12am and listening to Seesaw Parade. So, I mean, that... I retract my previous statement. Yeah. There we go. So that, that you know, it balances out. But thank you, Eduardo, for that. I'm happy to provide that form of therapy, this non-involved form of therapy where I don't actually have to try hard or put in any effort. <laughs> Dreams. We have, we've, we've reached high levels of, of achievement. So yeah, I did also encourage um, more people to disagree. And if you disagree with anything we say, of course, please do get in touch. And you may <laughs> want to do so with this first review I'm going to right. go for here. Unless, James, You're... have you been watching anything? Have you seen anything in the cinema this week? Oh yeah, no, not cinema, but I did, uh, I did commit to and finish Stranger Things. I told myself Ooh. two episodes per day. 
and I did it. Okay, well, well, we'll get to that after we start with a review of The Lion King. Now, I saw this at the weekend. This, of course, is the Disney remake of the classic, uh, I want to say 90s animation. Let me just, I'll start with what I liked about it. Some of the shots in this film are so realistic, you think you're watching a David Attenborough documentary. There's at least a couple of shots, probably a handful actually, where if you were going to watch them out of context, you'd think, that's an actual lion. It is gorgeous to look at. I'm sure it's very beautiful, yeah. Yeah, okay. Onto the voice cast. Chiwetel Ejiofor as Scar is awesome. Mm-hmm. Not quite as camp as Jeremy Irons in the original, but still it brings a, a new slant to it. I like that. Uh, Timon and Pumbaa, who are Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen, are very good. Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. Yeah. I don't... Yeah. Ah. Oh, good stuff. And do you know what works for them in particular? And I'll, I'll talk about they this. they don't try and be the original voice actors Absolutely. and try to put their own personalities in? There we go. I knew it. To the extent... Now, I'm going to talk about this as what I didn't like. The reason I enjoyed the Timon and Pumbaa stuff the most is because... Their lines were fresh. It, they were ad-libbing. They were, as opposed to copying line for line, which is what the majority of the rest of the film did, to the extent I'm just waiting to the, for Mufasa to say, from the crawling ant to the leaping antelope, we are all connected in the circle of life. And he literally says it word for word. And that is the majority yeah. of the film. It is Wait, but how would you change that? No, like, hold on, hold on, hold on. From the crawling aphid. <laughs> no, from the, from the bumbling aphid. To the jumping gazelle. Uh, but you never know. But anyway, this is this is the main criticism I had, had of the film. It is shot for shot, almost an exact replica of the original animation, with a couple of notable exceptions. If you remember the song, I'm going to try and sing it. Oh, I just can't wait to be king. That song. Yeah. <laughs> Which I did a terrible job of. No, that was like real good. In the original animation, you've got like hippos are standing on elephants and there's like all sorts of cool cartoon animal things going on. Right. Obviously in the real world, animals are unable to do that. So it means that this version of I Just Can't Wait to Be King is very, very tame. There's some hippos like just trotting along and there's some giraffes shuffling some feet. <laughs> And there's Gira- giraffes just like eating leaves to the beat. Yeah, and like just just doing mm. animal stuff because they're unable to do the whole like balancing act. If you can think of the original film, the song ends with all the animals falling down on top of each other. Quite literally, the balancing act. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, and that is what the difference is for me between the original, which is so beloved, and it's a great film. Did I say beloved? I sound like a. You sound like a. You sound like a. a Marrying a, a mainstream media film critic. <laughs> okay. You sound that you got paid several hundred pounds for that one word. Disney do not pay me for this. Uh, <laughs> the original, which actually has that emotion and it has the... You realise you're watching cartoon animals. With this film, because everything is realistic, they can't do the things that the original did in terms of the laws of physics and stuff. And when you are copying a film shot for shot, it's always going to be compared to the original. Yeah. And it falls short of the original, which is why... Yeah. Back to my original point... I enjoyed the Timon and Pumbaa stuff because it was different. They were just clearly ad-libbing and they chose the best bits. And some of those bits were very funny. Right. So this film, aside from the Timon and Pumbaa stuff, is like if you choose your 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 long-term life partner based on their appearance rather than their personality. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great metaphor, James. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it can look great, can sound great, even though... And here's the other thing. Do you know last week or a couple of weeks ago you were saying they'd released the Lion King soundtrack? Yeah. The uh, the songs that we grew up with, 
you can hear the intonations of how Rowan Atkinson is going to sing it or Jeremy Irons. And obviously this cast, which is John Oliver, by the way, plays Zazu. Yeah. As in talk show host John Oliver. Yeah. It's almost like he's failing to do his own accent. He's doing an over-the-top British accent, and it sounds bad, despite the fact he is British. Well, he was probably in the VO booth, right? And the, and the <sighs> producers and directors are just yelling at him, like, you got to be more British than that. You're not yeah. being British enough. And he's like, I have a British accent. This is a British accent. Like, no, you got to go more. And, and because these original songs are so ingrained in our memories, when you hear them done now with a new voice cast and with slightly different intonation... It does sound like karaoke. There we go. Just to sum up, I know this has been very long. To sum up, had they <laughs> taken this Lion King and just redone the entire story, very similarly to what the Jungle Book remake did in 2016, it just took a brand new Jungle Book story. Yeah. And it worked. It worked because it wasn't just copying the original. It wasn't a carbon copy. Yeah. That's what yeah. it should have done. Yeah, I, I, I want that, right? If, if they want to like re-release IPs, but with different new stories for us to experience, great. If they want to just re-release super HD versions of films they've already made, but with less excitement and more perfection no thanks yeah do you disagree do get in touch but before we hear any <laughs> did sort you of... enjoy the lion king are you a child who hasn't seen the original <laughs> please tweet us <laughs> uh if you disagree we will hear that next week but first james stranger it. things you finished it i haven't no spoilers please go okay brief then because you know it's finished it i enjoyed this season far more than i thought i would really and i enjoyed each subsequent episode far more than I thought I would based off where the previous episodes were going. That's really interesting. So as the story went on, I was like, oh man, they've gone too big. They've they've exploded this too hard. They've done the season three thing that everybody does and that very rarely anyone pulls off. Right. But I think they actually pulled it off. That's good. Because season threes in TV, they always go way overboard. That's when they get, that's when they've gone past the original story plan. They have to go big. Yep. And most TV series fail. Season three is, is a hard place to to carry on a story but i think stranger things has been successful similarly i guess to how we've described fast and furious in the past it failed at three it started off as two guys racing cars in la and then by the fifth and they steal dvd players from a from a truck exactly by the fifth film they're bank robbers in brazil and by the eighth film they are saving the planet yeah you yeah. just like you it's you're right it just has to get bigger and bigger and bigger you gotta keep going bigger and bigger like some people subvert that and go more real like so it's smaller more character driven and i like that i like yep. it when tv shows go smaller over time uh, but yeah it went big but it did it well and they're like i've got a lot of complaints but i've got fewer complaints than i did with season two okay that's good so that's a good thing we're on the app. Talking of things on Netflix, if you're, if you, that was a much more succinct review than I did. I'll keep this one short. I saw The Great Hack, which we previewed last week on Seesaw Parade. We listened to the trailer. I watched that um, documentary. Let me just start by saying it is not the best made documentary. Some of it right. is kind of recapping what we already know about social media giants and Cambridge Analytica being a bunch of bad people. We knew that already. Yeah. What it does, though, is, first of all, it's a beautiful use of graphics. The whole, the whole documentary is just fantastic to look at. And the way they they visually interpret things on the screen, whether that be somebody's uh, texts or emails being sent back and forwards, uh, is really impressive. Must have taken them an absolute age. What I did like about it is that it is alarming, yeah. And to, to the extent that it, it answers some questions I guess I had, but also tells me so much more than I ever realized was already out there. Yeah. And also, 
some of the whistleblowers and some of the figures that we've seen in the media over the last few years, uh, Chris Wiley being one of them and Brittany Kaiser, mm-hmm. are actually shown to be far more infallible than perhaps we imagine them to be. Chris Wiley, for example, who, if you remember, had pink hair and various yeah, piercings. Yeah, yeah drama boy, yeah. Was talking about Cambridge Analytica and uh, talking about some of their practices. And although he did work there, he was talking about things that happened when actually he'd left like months beforehand. Right, yeah. And it's, it's little things like that. I'm like, oh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. The overall feeling I got after watching it is, okay, I feel we've gone past the point of no return. My data is already out there. Companies are already exploiting it. There's very little I can do. That's that's the feeling I got. Uh, well, yeah, but this is part of the thing that you can do is you can be aware that companies are trying to manipulate you with your data and your vulnerabilities and try to notice when they do that. So when you see the targeted adverts that are trying to sway your political opinion, you go, wait, someone's paying for me to see that. No, thanks. I would recommend you go watch it. And to it. actually it is question excellent. the thoughts. Yeah, so it's a, it's a documentary for people who... It's definitely a documentary for people who didn't know any of the story. Absolutely. From the get-go. But then there's also going to be like 40, 30 or 40% of it's going to be for people who did follow. And they'll they'll still learn new huge things. I got I got a follow-up question for you, though, Carl. Okay. But you say, it, you say your bit first. Go ahead. Previously on The Great Hack, lots of your data was stolen. I was like, okay, I, I, I knew that already, but thanks, yeah. thanks for the reminder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so the question, Colin, is: Do you feel like you've you've been politically manipulated now? Do you recognize at any point or remember at any point, like, oh yeah, those those adverts I saw for like three or four weeks, they were trying to sway me? Do you know what? I was thinking about this whilst I was watching it, and I thought, no. But then I realized that every single time I go on Twitter, I see political clips and I see articles with which. I click on and I read because I agree with the premise. I'm not being shown Breitbart. I'm not being shown Steve Bannon or Trump. I'm seeing pieces about them, but it's supporting my view. And I'm realizing, actually, Twitter does know what I click on and what I read. Twitter knows what you want to see. So you're right. I am actually, yeah, absolutely. I am being manipulated, which is horrible. So you're in your own echo chamber. And while that's nice that you're getting the, the, the views that you already like, and uh, they they can make you dislike Bannon more or whatever. Uh, it still is an echo chamber. People are paying for you to see that, so you've got to go read more. Yeah, read the things that you aren't getting paid to see. And then if you disagree with them, that's even better. Read the things you disagree with. <laughs> Don't just live in the echo chamber of things you already agreed with. And talking of agreeing and disagreeing, if you, dear listener, have been watching a TV series or a film and you want to review it, then absolutely do that for us you can write some a few sentences down or even better record yourself 20 30 seconds it's all we need uh reviewing what you've been watching send it to us and we will get it out there we'll we'll hit it we will get it out there on episode 176 yeah if you want to come over for a cup of tea and sit down and record your two minute into an actual microphone rather than your phone feel free as well i absolutely you know i need friends i don't have many i got a cat (laughs) and that's nice and stuff but you know I can't remember the last time someone came over for a cup of tea. So, so just anyone, please, except mom and dad. I, you, you guys are, you guys just stay at home. Right. Let's let's go on. Uh, before we talk about some real news in Britain and across the world, we've got a few trailers. Starting with the long-awaited sequel to Zombieland. This is the first trailer for Zombieland. Double tap. Here we go. My sister is gone. She picked up a boy. He's from Berkeley. Berkeley. 
You don't have weed, do you? <laughs> do I look like the type of person that would have weed? I'm sorry. Moon? Yeah? I have nothing against hippies. I just want to beat the shit out of them. We're going to go get her. We ride it, Dawn. James, this is... Uh, the opening of this trailer really struck me because it puts into perspective the caliber of actors and actresses <laughs> in this film. It's really funny. It also reminds me how much people like to tell us who's been nominated for what as a way to sell their film as if it actually Absolutely. makes a big difference. It's like, come on. Well, I think, it, I think it does make a difference, though. No, it just means that they paid more. You can make a good film with no names. I agree. But if you've got an Academy Award nominee, then people are like, oh, man, they must be serious. Oh, yeah. No, it's good for it's good for marketing, for sure. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It reminded me of the film Haywire, which is a few years old, which I always felt really sorry for Channing Tatum because this because that trailer, if you go and look it out, it has a fantastic supporting cast. <laughs> oh, yeah. And every single actor and, and actress in that movie was like, Academy Award winner, yeah. Academy <laughs> Award nominee, multi-time Golden Globe winner. And Channing Tatum. And Channing Tatum. He had a hot bod that one time. <laughs> he got killed off in like the first scene as well, man. But anyway, Spoilers. what did you think about this trailer? I, I kind of liked it, right? It's gone ridiculous. It's gone big. It's it's going a bit meta humor. I'm okay with it. And they've also shown us the main, some of the main drama points, which is always a good idea to show that it's not just going to be the same film again. They're adding new people to cause a mess with. You know, I'm okay with this. Yeah. Let me just ask, because I forget the original. Is Double Tap something from the original film or is that sort of a instagram yeah it's reference? like rule rule one or one of the rules is that is that you, if you if you shoot a zombie shoot it again but make sure you hit its head right to make sure it's dead ah so it is. there's a lot of rules that's one of the one of the charming things about the original film was learning the different rules for surviving the zombie apocalypse so hopefully we learn some new ones this time i thought the trailer was was fine. Yeah. It was fine. Like, yeah, yeah, it's acceptable. I'm not expecting anything big. So this trailer is like reminding me, don't expect anything big, but you're probably going to enjoy it. It's going to be some big name actors having fun, probably quite funny, killing zombies, and the trailer yeah. had all that. Not particularly scary with, you know, a lot of a lot of potential for comedy. Okay, let's talk about the next trailer, which to me is one of the more or most interesting films still to come out this year. It is called The Irishman. Yep. It is being released by Netflix. It is Martin Scorsese's next big film, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, and essentially coming out of retirement, Joe Pesci. I mean, yeah, coming out of retirement. Gangster movie. Let's have a listen to the first trailer. Well, you know, there's a situation going on now, Frank. Big business and the government, they're trying to pull us down. You might be demonstrating a failure to show appreciation. I know things they don't know I know. James, Netflix have chucked a whole load of money at this. Yeah. To me, looks to be their Roma for this year. They're going to be pitching it for the Oscars, I imagine. Mm -hmm. What did you make of the trailer? I, I, I loved this trailer. I think I don't know what, what happens in the film, even though it's like <laughs> real. <laughs> Which is a good thing. Yeah, but it seems to be based on a true story. Something like that. I don't actually know this story all too well, so who knows how based on real life it actually is. But it's based around real events, right? So it looks really good. There's a lot of mystery involved as to what's going on. The acting looks phenomenal, really well done, and like the intensity levels are high. And I like intense films. I like think films that just keep you ticking. I like it. Right. What about you, Colin? 
You tell me it's bad or something. I'm well. I'm about to. I'm not going to say it's bad. I'm just going to say I feel like I've seen this movie already. Oh yeah, it's like a standard gangster film. It's just it's just a you know the whole even Robert De Niro's character pushing somebody to the ground, pulling out a gun and shooting them. He literally did that in American Hustle. Yeah, almost shot for shot in the trailer. Yeah, and. Because Robert De Niro has played so many of these gangster characters, and Al Pacino as well, it's really great seeing Joe Pesci back in there. I mean, he is phenomenal in, insert gangster movie here. <laughs> I can't remember. He is phenomenal pre-retirement. And then Raging he's Bull. Retired. He's in Raging Bull. Yeah, I'm certain he he's in Raging Bull, and he's fantastic in that. Yeah. It's just, to me, I'm sure this film will be great. It'll be well acted. It'll, be, it'll have some excellent dialogue. Yeah. Very violent. Right. But... It's just going to be another gangster movie. Yeah, but much like another Hall of Murders scene, you maybe don't want a new one, but you can still enjoy the new one when it comes along for all of its qualities. That's true. Especially if it's like made in a far better way than previous ones. This is like gangster films but revisited with huge amounts of money and huge amounts of effort, right? This is going to be seriously high effort directing, cinematography, everything. You can see from the trailer that a lot of money's gone into it. I mean, you can see from the cast that a lot, yeah. a lot of money, Like, the summer he pulled Pesci back out of retirement, he's, he's probably rejected them, like, for five years before they started filming it. I'm certain he is the same actor who, when he won Best Actor at the Oscars, took the award, said, thank you, and walked off stage. All right. I don't know that story. Yeah, so look it up. I'm going to have to look it up now. Okay, let's move on. Whilst you're looking that up... I'm just going to look it up later. I'm lazy. Okay. <laughs> it's, uh listen to the trailer for The Lighthouse. Oh, now, boy. I would urge you all, oh, wow. dear listeners, to seek this one out because this is unlike any trailer I've seen this year. Yeah. Before I say any more, let's play. Tell me, what's a timberman want with being a wiki? Just looking to earn a living. It's like any man. Starting new. On the run. Keeping secrets, are you? No, sir. Why just spill your beans? I don't really know how to go. This film looks incredible. Absolutely. It looks so good. I wasn't expecting it to look this good. Like, we've been kind of making fun of it on the download for a while now. But then the poster came out and I was like, actually, they look pretty cool. And now the trailer's out and this just looks so stylish. I love it. Yeah, it looks... Beautiful. From from anyone who's unable to tell from the audio, there are two actors in this, one of whom is Willem Dafoe, who's awesome. Yeah, and he's great. And the other one is New Batman, Robert Pattinson. Yeah, New Batman is great. And it's directed by Max Eggers, who did The Witch. Yeah. Which is a horror film I refuse to watch because it looks terrifying. It does, and yeah. by all accounts, was terrifying. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is probably going to be a wee bit terrifying. For anyone who's who is unable to watch it or is just bored and is maybe listening to this whilst cleaning their kitchen, uh, for example... This trailer is, it looks like the film was made in the 50s. That's the aesthetic they're going for. Yeah, even like the this, this shots of scenery look like it was done with miniatures, which it probably was. <laughs> yeah. Like it's so deliberately old school. It's, it's black and white. It's box picture format. Yeah. It's, it looks fantastic. It looks so good. And the sound design's great. And I have no idea what happens. Like, it looks like there's probably some time shenanigans going on. They've 
Like, do these two characters hate each other? Do they mistrust each other? Is one like what's going? I've got no idea what to expect from this film, and it's probably going to be something completely different to what I can possibly comprehend, right? <laughs> and it's it's also how you do a film trailer. Like that film, this has got me interested without giving away any of the plot. I totally want to see what happens in this film. I'm excited. Me too. And oh man, yeah. Like, like if we can get this kind of high effort film back, yeah. None of the I'm tired of the of the huge budget films that are all exactly the same. Give us fresh stuff. Give, like even if it's going going super old school to give us fresh content. Like this looks like somehow terrifying but also charming at the same time. Yeah. So from one psychological horror to what looks to be a flat out horror film, our final trailer for this week is something which, again demonstrates the difference between a a good film trailer yeah and a very by the numbers bad one this is the new yeah. bloomhouse film called the hunt yeah so like modern like in quotes horror it's more of a thriller well i mean okay let's play a clip first and then we'll talk about that every year a bunch of elites kidnap normal folk like us where'd they get you from wyoming mississippi Orlando. And hunt us for sport. Hurry, hurry, hurry up. So it's true. We're being hunted. James, even from the trailer, some of the deaths, or the deaths which look like they happen maybe a second after the camera cuts away, look like they're going to be pretty graphic. Very graphic, yeah. So this is like gore, gore thriller, gory thriller film. From the people who did The Purge and... Get Out. Oh, Get Out, yeah, so it was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that, again, it's similarly to the, you know, putting the Academy Award nominee before an actor's name, listing the films that they produced in the past that were good. You're like, oh, maybe it'll be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, it does prove, and the trailer, even the trailers both kind of prove that there's a high potential quality. Yeah. Like, like th- this film could be very good to watch i i want uh, is it bad that i want it to be i want it to be good i do want it to be good i mean, I mean it's revisiting a concept that isn't new um like so it's spoiler if you don't want to hear about a film but like it's, it, the concept is people getting hunted for a sport yeah uh, which is a story as old as hunting and people uh <laughs> It's got a solid cast as well. It's got a good, it's got a good cast. It's got a good lead. Um, it, it seems to have a good kind of like mix of um, surreal and realistic. Um, the villain is way over villainous. And of course, corporate, which is what we need. We need to hate corporate corporations again. Thank you very much. Um, it, but it, it could be very potentially good. But it could also just be here's someone dying brutally and oh, here's another one dying here's pe- more people and here's the, the big bad guy dying yay to the end so we we know ex- essentially how this film's gonna go yeah. one by one well they're like trailer two they'll all be they'll all be picked off until only the protagonist is left and then she hunts down the big bad boss and she wins and that's it I don't want films like that. A whole bunch of like poor people are getting hunted by a whole bunch of rich people, so we'll slowly see the cast of rich and poor people killing each other off until until the main character does a time jump to in three months' time and then kills the big bad. Uh, which the trailer with the trailer has shown us every step of that happening. Yeah. The second trailer, whereas the first trailer, the teaser trailer, was like an advert yeah. for the for the eight for the organization, and it was so, such a good trailer. I couldn't figure out. That teaser trailer, and go and look it out um, if you can. Go on YouTube, search for The Hunt Teaser. Whilst I was watching it, I couldn't figure out if it was yeah. someone like uploaded something by mistake or 
Yeah, if it was yeah, a yeah. spoof, it was only at the very, yeah. very end. I was like, okay, this is a movie. That's great. That's exactly what I want. Yeah, it's a movie. Yeah. It was super cool. Because it's basically just like the, the hyper-rich advertising campaign for the new hunting hunting uh, grounds or whatever, hunting organization. Yeah. And then not until the end does it make it clear what, what the prey is. And I, yeah, that was a good trailer. And then the other one came along and was like, here's the movie, but just the, the, some of the jigsaw pieces in order so you know where they go. I'm excited. Okay, well, talking of rich people hunting the poor, Boris Johnson, everybody. He's been doing his tour of the United <laughs> Kingdom this week. Uh, he is just finishing up today <laughs> in Northern Ireland. You're, yeah. you're right. Yeah, Boris Johnson is so corporate, I'm surprised he hasn't tr- tried to privatise Scotland. Has now visited the place where he's going to try and rake profits from for his own like tax cuts to the rich. So, uh, he, as you say, James, he was in Scotland uh, this week, got a very frosty reception outside Butte House where he went to meet Nicola Sturgeon. Did you see the exchange between the two of them on the steps of Butte House. Oh, I, I, I've only seen a handshake. Do we know what they said? Uh, so, so no, it's it's more the gesture. So they, they shake hands. Yeah. Obviously, the boos yeah. the boos are ringing out. Yeah, there's a lot of booing, and I, that's that's exactly right. One of <laughs> Boris's uh, aides walks in. Nicola shakes his hand. He walks inside, and then Boris opens his 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 body and his right arm nice and wide, as if to say to Nicola, "On you go." And Nicola just clearly having none of it is like. Pfft. Nope. And Boris sheepishly puts his hand down, walks inside, followed by Nicola. It's very awkward. It's very entertaining. Nice. That's a wee power play. I like yeah. it. Oh, no. it's And the thing is, as much as uh, Nicola Sturgeon and the SNP have their problems... Oh, for sure, yeah. Boris Johnson is a gift because he is as... as okay, as much as that is a vocal minority on Butte House... I would argue it represents the majority of how people feel in Scotland about Boris. Yeah, I'd be surprised if even the Scottish conservative voice liked Boris. It would be it would really make me question their judgment and whether or not they are an informed conservative person. Well, let's let, if they came out and they were like, "Yeah, I like Boris." Well, well, let's explore that because Ruth Davidson, who's the leader of the Scottish Conservatives, who is as we've discussed on the podcast before, an excellent politician, very good speaker. Yeah, she's very good at what she does. Very well liked amongst the party too. She met Boris and prior to meeting him said that she would not back him and his no deal Brexit plans. Now, that to me yeah. takes bravery uh, as a politician to essentially stand up to the prime minister who's a member of your own party yeah. and say, "You know what? Actually, no. I'm not I'm not doing that." Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Boris and his cabinet and his followers are so toxic for the Conservative Party that it causes the Scottish portion to split off and form a new party. They, so they actually have been talking about, there has been rumours yeah. that they would essentially just become the Scottish Conservatives because yeah. that's, at the moment, a marginally less toxic toxic brand than the UK-wide one. Like, genuinely, they need to do that if they want any hope of having support from like reasonable people in Scotland. So let's talk about Boris then and what he has been setting out to achieve this week, particularly when it comes <laughs> to the backstop, James, if you will. Ah, the backstop. Boris is, is telling Europe and Ireland in particular to forget about it's, it. It's, it's, it's not happening. It's not Just happening. forget about it, guys. It's not happening. We've got the power. You guys listen to what we want, forgetting that we don't and that we need to listen to them. <laughs> 
So he you're just right. wants no deal. This is this is just a big sacrificial play to make the no deal a patriotic thing to do. He's saying, Europe, we don't like the backstop. We, as all of the British people, don't want the backstop, even though most of us do. Yep. And then when Europe says, no, the backstop's part of the withdrawal agreement that we've agreed to, he'll go on back onto the news and be like, Europe's trying to tell us what to do again, everybody. We're going to be patriotic and not do what Europe says. And then do a no, no deal Brexit. So what's interesting here is, yeah, you, you've, you've summed that up very well. <laughs> what's interesting is I did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's, not, that's not the point. What's interesting is that that is exactly the power play that Boris is going for. He's saying, look, yeah, yeah. it's the EU telling us what to do. And, and any sort of deal has to include scrapping the backstop. However, yeah. the Irish Tushoch, I never know if I'm saying that right. Tushoch, yeah. Tushoch, uh, Leo Varadkar. Yeah. has come out and said, cool dude. nope, we're keeping it. It's, you know, I'm the one who's running this country here. So no, we're, we're keeping it. Yeah. And now yeah. the United States Congress have said any deal, any trade deal, as we discussed last week, between the US yeah. and the UK has to protect the Good Friday Agreement and the cur- essentially the current situation in Ireland. Yeah. And the, 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 the land mass of Ireland, I should say. Yeah, certainly, I believe... <laughs> Most of the world knows how important the backstop is, and to and to try and have a have an actual um, agreement over how to deal with the border. Right. So why is Boris so keen on scrapping it then? If clearly the rest of the world's against him, Boris doesn't have to care about. Here's here's a list of things Boris doesn't have to care about to get what he wants. Poor people. <laughs> Ireland, Northern Ireland, everybody Scotland. who isn't him. Poor people. The north of England. <laughs> London, for crying out. He doesn't even need to care about London. He just needs to care about the middle class people across the nation. Who voted for him. So even even those in Scotland, even those in Wales, even those in Northern Ireland, so long as they're middle class and comfortable and they don't have to acknowledge that poverty exists and they don't have to acknowledge that people die in the UK and they can just believe that everybody's as well off as they are, Boris will get their vote no matter what he, what he does. Right. Even if even if all the countries in the world are saying, no, UK, we're not going to give you a trade deal, all Boris has to do is say, hey, we got a positive can-do attitude and the UK will prevail. World War II, everybody. Didn't we win that? And then everyone's like, yeah, we did win World War II. Wow, we can do it again. Okay, well, we're gonna, well let's leave that there. You mentioned poverty, uh, James. Let's just talk about this uh, story from this week, which found that more than 4 million people in the UK are trapped in deep poverty, meaning their income is at least 50% below the official breadline. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. means they're, they're locked into a struggle to afford even the most basic living essentials. It's 4 million people. Yeah, so, 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 so that's the breadline being like how much you need to survive in the UK. Yeah. This is people that have less than half of that. So there's actually, if we go a step up, 14.3 million people in poverty alone, not deep poverty, just Regular old, everyday poverty in the UK. Fourteen point three million people, and that's that's almost one in four people. It's insane! How much of an income and wealth inequality we have in the UK, and that we're just sacrificing all these like families, people that actually have jobs and are still considered to be in poverty. So I think it's one in six people that have that are employed and in a, and have a family are considered in poverty or something like that. It's ridiculous. So you're right, the numbers are horrendous. What what is there to be done? What can be done? What should be done? <laughs> oh man, all right, I'm gonna how about 
we start raising the the living wage. Mm. And however, <laughs> we start mm, investing in the areas where the poor people live rather than investing in the areas where the wealthy are. True. However, we do some like job creation. We're talking about the UK not having an industry. How about the, the how about the UK publicly starts owning industry and creating jobs? I don't care what the jobs are. <laughs> you just create them. And that is a huge investment to make now. It would sink a party because they would have to invest so much money that they'd get um, unpopular UK-wide. But investment would return in like 20 years, 40 years. <laughs> you have to invest money now to have a future. But we just don't invest. We don't help. We don't do anything to help. In fact... Boris and the Conservatives, when we were definitely in the EU, rejected the EU's offer to help give us free money for poor people. That's also true. Yeah. The the EU is like, hey, we've set up this like fund for people in poverty around the entirety of the EU. Here's your share of it, all of the UK. Here you go. And the Conservatives are like, no, we don't want the EU meddling in our politics. Okay. Well, but yeah, Colin, so Colin, guess what? What? <laughs> the unemployment rate is down to three point whatever percent. Isn't that real good? The unemployment rate is really low. Everybody's working really hard, but they don't earn enough money to to, to survive. That's great. Unemployment rate super low. Everyone, yay! Okay, to end this episode, time is escaping us. Uh, James, let's talk about lastly, Chance the Rapper. Oh boy, yeah, talking about like things that are poor so chance the rapper is a name i'm sure you'll be familiar with he was a couple of years ago i'd say the biggest independent rapper in yeah. the world yeah had released a number of mixtapes a lot of yeah. highly successful songs was very well thought of uh, and now he has finally released his debut album called the big day which i've just been reading is 77 minutes long james you're saying it's very long. you're saying this album is indescribably bad it is it like so quite a lot of people when bad music comes out like to describe it as hot trash yep i think describing it as hot trash gives it too much value because if you were cold <laughs> you could be near hot trash and warm up uh, this album is hugely disappointing for someone with such talent to come out with something that's just so clumsily written and low effort is Awful. What's going wrong then? The only good things about it are sometimes the producer's talents are shining through in the track and like the backing track, and the people that he's having on to collaborate with him outshine him in every single song that they're on. Oh man, he just can't write lyrics. They're terrible. I can't even remember any of them because there's like we we could we could take a week Google search right now to find them. But okay, well let, let me just just before we wrap up, James, let me just ask, as an artist. Um, not yourself, just just put your mind... No, as, a, as an artist, yeah. Put yourself in the mind of an artist like Chance the Rapper. If you have been on this hype train yeah. for years and people have been loving your work only to release an album which then gets absolutely slaughtered... Yeah, like even Pitchfork gave it below a 7. <laughs> Pitchfork, I think, gives every single album a 10. <laughs> how do you... Yeah, but how do you react to that as an artist? You must be well, like... Well, crestfallen. So once again, I'm going to do my conspiracy theory thing. I reckon that th this is a publicity stunt for an album that he's going to release in about a few months time <laughs> this is Surely so bad not. it has to be like it has to be a joke to get his name out there because his his lyrics in this are so low effort his vocals in this are so low effort but like the production's pretty good the collaborations are pretty good he's he's got good talent 
you're also summing up my my own music career here, James. That's fine. The, you're not the production's the good. The collaboration's good. Everything else sucks. The lyrics are terrible. Um, lyrics are you know emo kid who never grew up. That is essentially my ethos as a musician. But this, like, the album sounds like a joke. It sounds like a 15-year-old has recorded the the main lyrics and written them in his basement on his school holidays. Um, So I I think it might be doing the whole, like, be so bad, you become popular, and Kanye saves your career thing. So Kanye's going to release a cool album with him in, like, four months, and then he'll release his actual, like, high-effort seven-song sound, like, um, album rather than his 22-song album that will be the good ones that you recorded in, like, uh, six months. So we're looking at, like, having two new albums out from Chance in the next in the next year. Easy peasy. And he makes his name back. He gets a 10 out of 10 from Anthony Fantano, the world's busiest music reviewer. And um, he gets a good review on Seesaw Parade, which ultimately a, yeah. is the, the main goal. But yeah, no, so you sh- everybody should listen to this just to experience low-effort writing when you get paid millions and millions. I reckon he stopped taking drugs when he was writing these li- these lines, whereas previously he was high when he wrote things. I think that's also why our podcast suffered, is I stopped taking we drugs. We stopped being high all the time, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, talking of which, it is the end of the episode, uh, dear listener. Thank you for joining us. James, thank you for joining me. We have already told people how to get in touch, but um, give them a reason to. Oh, well, so... You know, so here's the call to action, everyone. <laughs> Let me know your favorite track <laughs> Chance the Rapper's new album. No, that's no, the big come day. on. <laughs> Why you like it? No. Because I'm struggling to find any reason to like this album. And I really want to, because Chance the Rapper is a good guy. He's a good guy, everyone. He shouldn't just, have just, done this. Just pick like an easy call to act. Come on, James. Right, everybody. There's there's if we were if you're if you're in America or you can imagine you're in America, let, let me know which Democratic candidate you'd like the most because they're debating <laughs> right now and we should all take we should all take note because as we've learned, American politics affects our daily life because you know it's very big place yeah it, it is it is okay james thank you very much i will see you next week <laughs> um yeah yeah bye bye colin see ya bye listeners goodbye chance see you in six months <laughs>